is a disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and hopefully for the last time, I'm not here with my co-host, Lee. Oh, hi, I'm Lee. Oh, God, I hope that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. We're just talking about how, you know, we're double vaxxed, things are looking up. I think Ottawa zeroes across the board for new cases and people in the hospital and deaths. So it's it's fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. You're, you're joining us for this is the last episode of this, you know, see, we're calling them seasons, but of this batch of episodes until we go on another hiatus and come back in the fall. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully that means that in the fall, we'll be talking to each other face to face. Wow. In person. A natural conversation that's not stunted and awkward. The cherry on top is this final episode that we're recording. I'm, I'm at my in-laws right now where the Wi-Fi is garbage. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. We've been dealing with a lot. Um, yeah. Editing has been a lot of fun. I've made it sound natural, but Peter has really <laughs> shown off his editing chops to make this thing sound cohesive because <laughs> the recording, not so much. You know, there we are make times it that I... St- there, there are times that I stare at you. There's one or few, t- one or two times where it's been like a full 15 seconds oh, yeah. for you to respond. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so anyway, like I mentioned, you're joining us for the last major disaster of <clears throat> this series of episodes. I should also apologize because it's coming to you about two weeks later than we intended. In part, I think I have a valid excuse, in part because my daughter was born. Peter is a dad um, again! Yay! Congratulations! Twice! twice. Yeah, Thanks. that's pretty Thanks. That's pretty valid. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the plan be. was to, you know, it was all lined up, we were ready to go, and then my daughter had the audacity of being born and getting in the way of releasing <laughs> this podcast. God. That'll come up again as soon as she understands the language. <laughs> yeah, um, don't let her forget it. So we're, we're two, two weeks late with this one, but uh, hopefully we'll make up for it. I think it's, I think it's a pretty good one. A uh, good one to at least to round out this uh, group of episodes. And then we'll be back. Um, I haven't actually... You know what? At the end of the episode, I'll, I'll, I'll mention a date. I haven't looked at a calendar yet, but I'll tell you the date that we'll be back. Yeah. With the next group of, group of uh, episodes and possibly other content. We've mm. been talking about... We've been teasing some video content for a while. And That's I right. think... Kicking some ideas Again, around. Once we can be in person, we will bring that to you. Exactly. I'm going to take full advantage of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe last time, because you won't hear it for a while, a little bit of housekeeping. If you're new here, welcome. Hi. We recommend starting at the beginning and binging the show, because we'll do callbacks to previous episodes. Not, you won't miss like inside jokes. We're not going to, you're not going to be out on any laughs. No. But sometimes we'll talk about like, hey, remember episode 27 when we talked about Thera Destroyer? <laughs> remember that? Then you'll be like, hey, I do remember that. You'd be shocked how often Thera Destroyer comes <laughs> up in just natural conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of like the the disaster extended universe. The, the, yeah. This is a disaster EU. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're all about that. So. <laughs> so check that out. If you like, if you get through all that and you like what you hear, the best thing you can do is to tell someone to listen. That gives a, that, that helps a lot. More, more the merrier, other words. You know, what Peter's trying to say is the more the merrier. That's what I'm, yeah, it's in other words, we should make <laughs> in other words, more the merrier. <laughs> Go on. God. Oh, it's a good thing that we're taking another break because I'm running out of words. Time for a break. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So you can also follow us on social media at this disaster pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. And you can check out our patreon.com slash this disaster pod. We get tons of bonus content, micro disasters every two weeks and some other bonus content that's coming up uh when we're back in the studio so Mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that and having said all that i'm gonna i'm gonna dive in we got a major disaster from peter today Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Take it away, my man. Here we go. I'm going to start with a quick sidebar about boats. <laughs> All right. Start with sidebar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the earliest boats we have concrete proof of through archaeology date back about 10,000 years. Okay. Which is more or less at the dawn of modern civilization, which kind of makes sense. As soon as somebody looks at something floating on the water, I'm sure somebody was like, hey, I could sit on that. That looks buoyant, which is not a word, but you know. I don't have language. I don't what have are any of these I words? just sort of grunt and point, but you know, you get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like my favorite, my favorite line in uh, Infinity War Avengers, Infinity right. War. I forget the name, but Thor like says we have to go to this place and... Uh, Rocket raccoons like that's a made up word, and Thor's like all words are made up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which exactly. is one of those like throwaway lines. But then you're like, oh yeah, they are. Yeah. It. it well, that's. I mean, now we're gonna get way off track. But I remember mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, people were complaining about the word Islamophobic, right? As yeah. that it, it's a made up word. Like number one, oh yeah, that's your problem with the whole premise. <laughs> and it's like number two, well, so so is podcast. Yeah. So it's download. <laughs> I mean, there are new words all the time. <laughs> you fuck. Oh, <laughs> anyway. All words are Tell made us up. more about boats. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So even though we have concrete evidence goes back 10,000 years, we can infer that boats have been around a lot longer than that. For example, we know that Australia was likely settled around 50,000 years ago. Okay. Uh, and it was already its own continent at that point, And odds are we didn't swim there. So chances are... We're getting there somehow. You know, like I said, as soon as as soon as soon a human saw something floating, they thought to sit on it. Exactly. <laughs> the light bulb went off. Also, what's a light bulb? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> None of these work. <laughs> Originally, there was likely one type of boat made of hollowed out logs. Sure. In fact, the oldest boat that we know of is the Pesse Canoe discovered in the Netherlands and dated around 8000 BC. Uh -huh. And this is what's known as a dugout canoe. It's basically made of a pine log with like a compartment dug into the center. Oh man, how hard is it to ride one of those without rolling over? Right. <laughs> I mean, even a regular canoe is like, whoa, easy. <laughs> a lot of trial and error went into that. Literally, like the it's whole round. shape. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> First one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sit in, immediately spinning. Shit. <laughs> Uh, we no. need another volunteer. <laughs> uh, and as a reminder, 8,000 BC is likely before even the ancient Egyptian empire was a twinkle in Ra's eye. <sighs> so I think <laughs> boats have been around a long, long time. Yeah, it's safe to say. So boats were originally made of wood and natural materials, but eventually moved to steel, aluminum, and fiberglass as new materials and manufacturing became available. Mm -hmm. Kind of how everything was made of bronze until iron became feasible, if you remember episode 27 when mm -hmm. about Thera Destroyer when we talked about the ages and why they're named what they are. Right, right. Bronze Age, Iron Age. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So actually where I am now, I mentioned I'm at my in-laws. We've been spending some time in a house near a waterway. Okay. My son, son gets pretty interested in boats. All right. Or at least, I don't know if he's interested, but he'll always stop what he's doing. And then whenever he sees one and goes like, boat, there's a boat over there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so this morning I actually pulled up a list of different boat types and I'm happy to report that boats can come in the form of <clears throat> a coracle, a paddle boat, uh -huh. a john boat, an airboat, a dinghy, a cobble, a dory, a pontoon, a shikara, a gondola, a felucca, a dragon boat, a scrooner, a skipjack, a gundalo, a bireem, a hydrofoil, a catamaran, or trimaran, if you're Donald Crowhurst, episodes yeah. <laughs> 9 and 10, a Tinmouth Electron, mm -hmm. a barge, a clipper, and for today's purpose, a yacht. Ah, now most of those words are made up. And I'm talking <laughs> like you just made them up this second. 
<laughs> you slipped Dory. a few in there. Yeah, exactly. Like, come, come on. <laughs> Shikara. Shikara. That doesn't. No. <laughs> That's a lot of boat types. <laughs> I think her hips don't lie. Her hips don't lie. Sh- Shikara. Sh- Shakira. Oh, Shakira. I joke get about. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> joke about it. Shakira. <clears throat> anyway. Man. Dad jokes. I've been getting a lot of mileage out of this one. Uh-huh. Uh, did you hear about the guy that fell in the well? No. Yeah, I didn't see that well. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm always the hardest to laugh. Anyway, <laughs> boats were fun. originally used for trade, uh, yeah. but as with every other means of transportation ever invented by humans at some point, probably yeah. sooner rather than later, someone yelled over to their buddy's dugout canoe, hey, but I can beat you to the village. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say war, but that's like a kind, it's a well, kind of war. It's a race. Kind of hand in hand. Like I think, <laughs> yeah. well, I think the way it goes is like you invent a mode of transportation, you decide to race it, you get in an argument and then you start a war. Then you start I think a that's war. That's the way it goes. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> Byproduct. So yacht, yacht races are a very old sport with poems related to yachts or what Romans would consider yachts dating back to ancient Rome. Oh. Uh, the word yacht has three likely sources. Uh, one is Nor- the Norwegian word jagt, mm. J-A-G-T, okay. as the Middle Low German jagt with an H. Right. Dutch jacht. Essentially, the word refers to a fast, light vessel of war, commerce, or pleasure. Mm. Really doesn't get more specific than that. The definition is a medium-sized sailboat equipped for cruising or racing. Right. Like, Okay, it's and you, a boat, uh, I guess. Then you pop corks on it and sort of spray it around. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's for that. that. You get really, really big ones if you don't know what else to do with your money. Yeah, exactly. Like go to space. Go to sp- <laughs> space or Spain. Uh, did you watch the launch today? Bezos? I saw it on the news, that great big penis climbing its way into the sky. I get conflicted about that. Maybe this gets cut. I don't know. But we talk about space a lot on the podcast. <laughs> sure. So maybe it stays. I get conflicted about it because on the one hand, it's like... You know, it's basically, he's like, look at all this fucking money I have. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, I just get excited about anybody going to space. I kind of see any space travel as a positive. Yeah, it's 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 a good thing to do if you have a lot of money. Like, you should sort yeah. of, you know, throw yeah. some that way. But at the same time, like, oh, we're all so happy for Jeff Bezos. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. You know, it's it's a hard dude to root for, but. It is, it is the he, the person, but then even like, I was trying to think of analogies and like, you know, when the car was invented, you had the one rich ass douchebag puttering around town in his car and everyone else being like, look at that fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> his car. Exactly. Like, who does this Ooh. guy think he is? Yeah. Wow. I get it. You don't have to walk anymore. I'm so impressed. Even though you could probably walk faster than that car. Right. Yeah. But the, my point being like, yes, right now it's this thing that's only attainable by the mega rich exactly but the whole point is they're paving the way to something that's going to get more and more that's, affordable that's to a the good point way of to being look a plane yeah, I, I had not thought of it that way like yeah same goes for the computers and, and whatever at first it's for yeah. the, the affluent and then it becomes you know yeah de rigor exactly we're, we're in that we're at that point now where it's like richard branson jeff bezos yeah they can afford it that's that's pretty much the list of people that can afford it right now yeah i mean if for a for a billionaire it's a pretty you know benign act it's it's not like a 
big game hunting or something where you're like, no, no. fuck you. Yeah. But they've they've broken the seal now, and I think especially yeah. with something like with with Branson who did it for you know Virgin Galactic, like yeah. you now it's like okay, still it's going to be super expensive and not everybody can do it. But eventually, over time, demand will grow; it'll become more of a thing. Space travel, yeah. the expanse. Let's get off Earth already. <laughs> it's, it's civilians going to space. Let's let's yeah. call it what it it's is. Perfect. All right. Yeah. But anyway, boats. So formal <laughs> yacht racing. <laughs> uh, that probably stays. Huh? Jay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Formal yacht racing began in the 17th century. Okay. In 1661, John Evelyn, who was an English writer and gardener. <laughs> Great. Which we've talked about before. <laughs> you just get, you, you just amass titles. I'm sure at some <laughs> writer, point he was a philosopher gardener, too. Putter Maybe mathematician. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, John Evelyn recorded a race between two yachts known as the Catherine and the Anne in a race from Greenwich to Gravesend, which is about 200 kilometers east of Tenmouth. For Gravesend. Those who are following along. That's cool. And back. Okay. The first yacht club, the Royal Yacht Squadron, was established in England in 1815. <laughs> nice. The America's Cup, so-called because of the name of the ship that won the inaugural race, is the most famous race dating back to 1851 between the New York Yacht Club and the Royal Yacht Club. Oh. And interestingly, it actually holds the title of the oldest international competition that still operates to this day. Oh, like, really? period. Not just sailing, but like the oldest international sporting event. Always the Americans versus the, the Brits? Not necessarily. No, there's lots of other teams now. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but I think it's typically one club challenges another. There's like, there's, I think there's like a bunch of qualifying events now, but ultimately it comes down to one club racing another. And then the winning club takes the trophy to their club and holds on to it until the next one. Nice. Actually, if you want to talk about a country dominating a sport, America successfully defended its title in the America's Cup for 132 years <laughs> until it was finally defeated in 1983 by the Royal Perth Yacht Club. Australia. So these aren't annual races. I think they're, they're actually, they're between like every four and seven years or something like that. Okay. But still, like it's the longest running and the Americans held on to the title for Man, <laughs> they should be crowing about that a little bit more. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, an achievement. Uh, and the latest race was in March 2021. Okay. So it's uh, still ongoing. Still going. Also, we're, we were just talking about mega rich. If you ever look at pictures of these like sailing clubs yeah you can imagine the smell of mahogany and money <laughs> freshly charred by lighting a cigar <laughs> like nice. it's it's exactly what you picture when you think of a yacht club upper it's, crust uh-huh. uh-huh these are the people that are going to space first <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> they're next in line yeah actually the teams that compete in like the modern america's cup typically spend around a hundred million dollars and there's some teams that actually spend upwards of 300 million oh my god so we're talking like this is in the range of like for example a formula one team right 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 actually i think at one point the designer for the red bull formula one team like the aerodynamics designer spent some time designing yachts for i imagine the america cup and some other yacht races oh really so it's a very sort of it's another upper like who races in formula one intertwined right 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 so the america's cup is the most famous yacht race but there are many others that carry a great deal of prestige such as the fastnet race Ah. so the fastnet race is named for the fastnet rock which the competitors round during the race okay fastnet rock is a sharp tooth aisle that rises about 30 meters above the water or almost 100 feet okay uh, also known as ireland's teardrop so it's near ireland Ah. It's often the last site that uh, Irish immigrants to North America would see. So it kind of fades in the distance as they're going ah, towards they're North America. The old country for better times in America. Hopefully there's more potatoes. Hopefully more potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's one we haven't talked about yet. I'm sure we'll get to that. The famine, the potato famine. Maybe next season. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's the, the Fastnet Rock is the fast the midpoint of the Fastnet race. The Fastnet race is considered a class big offshore race and it tests the skill of the most experienced crews so it's kind of like one of the most prestigious ones maybe next to the america's cup are there i'm assuming there's no amateur but like novice intermediate like i don't think so it's all it's just just, you i think you just compete oh you just okay okay you just do it just go for it i imagine there might be some kind of entry standards uh, i would hope there's a minimum sort of yeah i'm sure i don't know if they had like classes like in boxing you have you know Right, right, right. You know, and even in uh, like Le Mans and endurance racing, you'll have like different classes of cars. Of course, yeah. But uh, but this is I don't, all, all I don't for think so. Okay, okay. I would not not sure, but I think it's all just boats. Boats, got it. <laughs> <laughs> all boats. So the race begins at the English seaport of Cowes on the Isle of Wight. Goes wow. around Fastnet Rock and then back to Plymouth, England. So it's a total distance of around uh, almost twelve hundred kilometers or seven hundred miles. Okay. Uh, the race takes place in August when the westerlies are blowing at gale force, typically. Mm. Westerly winds mm. blowing at gale force. And because there's also a, a, typically a series of low-pressure systems at the time of year that also create constantly moving weather patterns. So not only is it a challenging course, right. uh, typically you're also dealing with challenging weather. And that's part of the That's just excitement. part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Some uh, stuff to deal with. Cool. Exactly. So it's, it, t- it has a reputation for not being for the faint of heart. It's got a reputation for rough conditions, even when the forecast is nice. Okay. <laughs> so we'll do a quick sidebar on past Fastnet races. Mm-hmm. So Weston Martyr, a British yachtsman, came up with the idea for the race after competing in Bermudan yacht racing. Okay. Weston Martyr? That's a good name. Weston Martyr? Yeah. Yeah. That's solid. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> we'll put that on the list of good names. Oh, yeah. Oh, what was? Hecalaya. Hecalaya. <laughs> That's still one of my favorites. <laughs> Which From what, uh, the Hartford Circus Fire. I knew it was a fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. It all started with Hecalaya buying an elephant in a pub for $1,000. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> Old Hecalaya bought a package of them in a pub. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very good story. Look that one Starts. Up. Yeah, Look check up. that one out. Look up Hartford, uh, Hartford Circus <laughs> Fire. I didn't think we'd reference that one. No. You never no, know. Well, you know what? It's all, this is what I'm saying. Binge it. You're in the know. You'll exactly. you'll have the EU you'll have the whole EU experience. <laughs> have that under your belts. You're one of us. So the first race was held in 1925 with seven boats. Okay. And it was it was won by the English yacht Jolly Breeze, spelt well, doesn't matter how it's spelled. Jolly Breeze. Jolly Breeze. Uh races were held every year until 1931 when they became when they were held every 2 years. Okay. Between 1925 and 1957, England won 10 races, America won 5 races, and the Dutch won one race. Mm. So Americans do pretty well, not as well as in the America's Cup, but uh, right. they still they still hold their own. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> so there's no races between 1940 and 1947 because everyone in Europe was on vacation. <laughs> in <laughs> Germany and France. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of uninvited guests yeah. <laughs> overstaying their welcome. Exactly. By 1979, the race had ballooned to have about three, uh, just over 300 yachts. So okay. it's a pretty Jeez. big... It's a big event. Yeah. From seven in 1925? Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. So 50 years, 300 yachts. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> At the time, so in 1979, navigational aids such as the Lauren and Decca were banned. And the Lauren and Decca, those are those are radio systems that are sort of precursors to GPS. Okay. You'd have like radio waves that uh, would, br- would help 
ships orient. And I don't know if it was like a grid necessarily, but essentially they would send out signals and you could use these receivers, I guess, like the Lauren and the DECA system that would essentially tell you exactly where you are based on this kind of system. But you couldn't use those in this race. Mm -mm. Uh, You could use, you could use things uh, like a sextant, uh, a radio direction finder, not like, not unlike Donald Crowhurst's failed Navigator. Oh, you remember that? Navigator, yeah. Episode 9 and 10. <laughs> with Electron. Yeah. Uh, you could use a cup, compass and dead reckoning. Dead uh, reckoning. And we, act- we actually, that reminded me, we actually have a bonus episode on our Patreon that talks about navigating at sea and we talk a little bit about dead reckoning. There you go. So if you want to, if you want to get, get that, check out our Patreon. Get all smartened up on that stuff. It's also worth mentioning that safety gear wasn't as regulated as it is today. Probably <laughs> goes without saying. That's kind <laughs> of goes for everything. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hypothermia is a huge risk for sailors in the race because the clothing was poor by today's standards. No, like, under armor didn't exist yet. (laughs) Okay. Just wearing a sweater and dockciders and... (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Pipe in mouth. (laughs) Uh, Often, crews would uh, do away with things like life jackets and harnesses. Ah. Just go out on the boat. Because why (laughs) do you need those? Pussies. And communication methods were limited because things like the VHF and MF radios weren't mandatory. Again, those are standard marine radio systems. Okay. And they stand for very high frequency and medium frequency. Mm. So uh, those weren't mandatory. So you didn't have to have some kind of radio on board. <laughs> which uh, which okay. uh, could come back to bite sure. someone in the ass, but okay. Yeah, it seems like it could be handy, but you know, you do you. <laughs> what What are you really gaining by not having one I don't versus know. having one and just ignoring it until you How desperately it need be? it? Exactly. Right? <laughs> it sits in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, large yachts would have the VHF, but smaller yachts didn't, which again... The ones that needed it most don't have it. Yeah, but exactly. let's we'll we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, you figure it out. In 1979, the Fastnet race uh, took place on August 11th, 1979. Mm-hmm. The weather was calm, but as we heard, it's prone to change, and change it would. Hmm. So, <laughs> names. So, Gerald Butler, the lighthouse <laughs> operator, nice. stated, this is Fastnet. Nope. He said, it started off as a very <laughs> fine event. Ah. <laughs> Gerald Butler, Sparta. Get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Can't all be winners. Anyway. Kicked his so, partner off the lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that, check out the Smalls Lighthouse tragedy. That's hey, another good one. About death in a lighthouse. <laughs> Continuity. Nexus. Exactly. See, this is kind of like a, a, for a finale, we're tying it all together. <laughs> yeah, it's the big episode where we pull it all <laughs> Everything. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Smalls Lighthouse is a great story and yes, inspiration for uh, one of my favorite movies of 2019, The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. Hark! Yeah. Oh, I gotta watch so that again. Good. Yeah. Why'd you spill your beans? Why? Yeah. <laughs> What's a timberman want to be a wiki for? <laughs> I gotta watch that again. Me too. But actually what Gerald Butler said was a quote from Olympus Has Fallen. No. <laughs> what he actually said was, I can't, uh, all I can picture is Gerald, Gerard Butler now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no. Okay. So he said, it started off as a very fine event. Hmm. The sea was flat, calm. The forecasting at the time was unable to see what was coming. Oh, dear. Although, if you want to hear more about forecasting, you should check out our Blizzard of 1888 episode. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, it's just all coming back out. to me now. <laughs> Man. It's like my second favorite Celine Dion song. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is the Deadpool one. It that's is. just that's 100%. just a really good song. Oh, so and good. I can't stand Celine Dion, but no, a, neither can I. But I do good, actually have a soft song spot. Is fucking good, so good. Anyway, Beauty Out okay. of Ashes is that what it is? It's yeah, really good. Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to it after we finish. Where you are, th- two. 
I hope. <laughs> I hope In four this hours first... when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this isn't your first episode listening to this podcast. Normally, we're much more on topic. <laughs> Normally, we're a little more. Yeah, exactly. More focused. Uh, we don't swear as much you know. either. But whatever. Okay, so one yachtsman described sailing at the start of the race like going on holiday. Oh. And if he said it out loud for anyone to hear, I'm assuming he's spending the rest of his life living it down. <laughs> yeah. At 1.55 p.m. that day, winds were predicted to be force four or five before increasing to force six and seven. Okay. Sidebar on the force tell, Oh, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called the Buford Scale after Rear Admiral Francis Buford, Tannen. <laughs> uh, no, but again, I, all I could picture was Biff. Pie-sucking <clears throat> dude. Yeah, what he says. <laughs> I like that one. What's the matter? Chicken? <laughs> Force zero is calm. Okay. This sees basically like a mirror. Force four is a moderate breeze. Mm. They get some small waves that become a little bit bigger. Good for Force sailing. Force five is a fresh breeze. Oh, fresh. With moderate waves. Uh-huh. Force six is a strong breeze <laughs> with uh, large waves beginning to form. I feel like these adjectives are underplaying everything. Well, yeah. Fresh. I don't know. Come on. Keep going. It really depends... On the perspective, too, like me, someone who's never sailed on the ocean, right? Like force zero would be like, okay, guys, let's let's go back. Let's. This is a come bit on, much. come on, let's just go swimming <laughs> off the dock. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> Couple of buzzies. So so force seven is high winds. That's near a gale. The, so the sea kind of heaps, and you get white foam, and waves are kind of okay picking up you're getting serious force 11 is a violent storm oh. with exceptionally high waves and force 12 is basically a hurricane <laughs> so the sea is completely white and just full of spray and Tropical you don't want to be out in a typhoon 12. no you don't exactly okay so from august 11th to 12th a large depression formed in the atlantic ocean and forecasters believed it would be more significant than previously thought as it developed into a serious storm hmm Petty understatement officer David Sheehan on the Grimalkin radioed in, getting a little choppy out here. <laughs> a depression formed off the coast of Canada around August 11th and moved across the Atlantic at a roughly 45 knots, which is 83 kilometers an hour. Okay. On August 12th, it was midway through the Atlantic, but soon began to slow down. And on August 13th, the depression intensified and turned to the northeast, approaching Ireland at the Fastnet Race. Mm. So an afternoon satellite picture prompted a gale warning, but it was broadcast after the morning shipping forecast that the boats in the race used. Okay. Basically, they would get uh, their forecast for the day from this shipping forecast. Okay. That would tell them about weather systems. But I guess this satellite report didn't come in time for that forecast. Shit. So most of the people out at the sea taking part in this race didn't hear what was coming. Bad intel. Mike Broughton, a 17-year-old and the youngest competitor, would say, quote, wow. it was all about the shipping forecast in those days. The news came from the radio. There was gossip that a storm was on the way and we knew the prime minister, who's a boat, had retired. Okay. The navigation was quite primitive. Yeah, the mm. prime minister. Yeah, that's a boat. That's the name I of guess. a boat? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's confusing. The C word. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace. I keep forgetting. Yeah. There's, new, there's okay. a new season of Archer and I guess... It's not going to be the same. Was she on Archer too? Yeah, she plays uh, Archer's mom. Oh, okay. And the head of like the spy organization. We're talking about the mom from Rest of Element, by the way. Yeah, Jessica Walters. Jessica Walters. I knew she had Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She she had one of those. Mm, mm. Take it back. If I wanted to eat something that had your (laughs) thumb in it, I'd eat your ear. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Michael. Pool food. So at 3.05 p.m., the shipping forecast broadcast the following, quote, Seoul Fastnet Shannon, southwesterly gale force eight imminent. Eight. 
That's eight is not good. No. Maximum is eleven that we talked or all twelve, 12. That we talked about. Yeah. Realistically eleven because twelve is just twelve is just twelve is like wiping all the flipping the chessboard. Yeah. Twelve exactly. it's like, well, <laughs> fuck it. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> At seven oh five PM, the shipping forecast broadcast, quote, force eight increasing severe gale force nine imminent. Sheesh. That's so again, quite the upgrade from the morning. Forecast. Eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're approaching eleven. <sighs> The 10 p.m. chart showed that it was going to be at least a Force 10 storm. But the lead time for the shipping forecast, storm warning, wasn't enough to actually allow the majority of competitors to get to shelter. So by the time they knew this, they were they wouldn't actually be able to report it in the shipping forecast, so nobody really knew it was coming. Okay. By early August 14th, gale force winds were predicted with the strongest winds over the race area. Mm. And some mm. believe that at this point, winds were going to reach Force 11. So essentially maxing it. out. Right. Yeah, they hit it. <laughs> so the wind hits the race. As this weather system arrived at the race area, the strongest winds started to hit. Hmm. Not only were the winds intense, they changed direction 90 degrees from their original direction. <laughs> so as disorienting as this would be on its own, because you have your sails set up a certain way. Right, right, right. The change in direction created a meteorological freak occurrence where the southwesterly winds started to meet a wave train. So essentially the waves are going a certain way. You change 90 degrees. This wind hits those waves that were going Northwest. Okay. What this did was it created giant waves, some of which reached a height of seven stories. Oh, wow. Seven stories. That's so like that's tsunami height. Yeah. Essentially. That's taller than a boat. Yeah. We've, we've talked about that. that. If you've got a two story house, go outside and picture three of them stacked on top of each other. <laughs> it would be like staring into fucking God's angry foot. Like, Oh yeah. Ready barreling. to stomp you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh Lord. So this is uh, for reference, this is about a quarter of the height of the peace tower on Parliament Hill. If you've ever been to Ottawa in Canada yeah. or roughly two football fields end to end. Yeah. And to clarify, <laughs> I mean association football. Okay. Thank you. Not to be confused with uh, rugby football. Right. Right. Or gridiron football. Or the old gridiron, the old pigskin. Yeah. Those, those people that know me are probably not surprised that I was a huge dink about that during the Euro cup. <laughs> it's not. I always be like, uh, who's playing in the football today? Sorry. I mean, I should clarify who's playing in the association football. Today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that like, sounds like a classic <laughs> Peter move. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. You know who lost? The Czech Republic. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Did they really Uh, stand a chance? I don't know. Gerard Butler again. Yes. Sorry, Gerald Butler, the White House keeper. Quote, they sailed into a nightmare. They couldn't get out of it no matter what they did. A wave would break up under the balcony and we would lose sight of everything beneath us. So this is the guy in the lighthouse. Right. He had the best seat in the house. Yeah, and he was getting splashed. (laughs) It was like being in the middle of a fast-flowing river. The people were getting an unmerciful beating. Wow. So one 12-meter or 40-foot wave hit the Grimalkin hard on the side, sending it on its side and throwing one of its crew overboard. Jeez. And if you remember, this was the this was the guy, this was the ship where that guy was like, yeah, it's getting a little choppy out here. Uh-huh. Yep. Captain understatement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the water was so cold. He probably had more to say about right. it. <laughs> the water was so cold and he would say later that his brain slowed down and he forgot how to zip up his jacket. Essentially, he was thrown into the water and I, well, not surprising because when you hit water that cold, yeah. you don't really know how to do anything. Sorry. <laughs> he lived? He did. Wow. Yeah. Like you said that, I was like, well, dead. So nope. let's continue no, he the made story. It out. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And probably had nightmares about that for the rest of his life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> sailing, no. I'll be digging myself into a hole in the earth. And uh, although I wouldn't be there. surprised if all these people went back out on the boat, the they next probably day. did. We've we've established that in other episodes. Like, yeah, I crashed yeah. my plane. I flew the next day. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> the right stuff. Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> the right stuff. The right. Barry O'Donnell on the Sundowner would say, quote, the most frightening aspect was that so many things happened at night. Mm. So this also happens at night. This also happened at night. The noise of the waves was incredible. Every oncoming wave blacked out everything else. (laughs) Which, that is my nightmare. That's a very specific version of hell. Yeah. The the, the water version. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The the exaggerated version for me that I always think about is in Interstellar. When they right. land on the water planet. Oh, yeah. And they think it's mountains, but it's <laughs> waves. <laughs> it's mountains coming at you at a terrifying Just rate. Go. <laughs> ocean. Oh, no, yeah. thank you, ocean. No. You can keep it. Yeah. You win every time. Mm-hmm. David Sheehan made a mayday call, and the response due to the intense storm was, quote, nothing we can do for you at the moment. Good luck. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You... Write it out. Exactly. Here, I'll, I'll summon uh, Hercules and uh, all the angels that come save you. No? Well, that's yeah. all I got. Mm. Yeah. Yep. See you in the morning. Thoughts I hope. and prayers? Yeah. Uh, on the Tenacious, the she- uh, chef Jane Potts called out to Bobby Simonette, a veteran sailor, whether anyone was going to carve the roast. Uh-huh. And Simonette replied, my dear, there are not many who will eat tonight and those that do will be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Again, coming back to our initial conversation, I would be vomiting the second I stepped on one of these ships at like force one, yeah. force zero. No, oh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> yeah. Is there any way to stabilize this ship? Yeah. Can we make it feel like the ground? Rescue efforts began at 6.30 a.m. on August 14th as the wind dropped to force nine. Oh, no, only nine? No Which problem. is, again, as a reminder, only between violent and gale force. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. On the Grimalkin, three crew members were soon dead, unfortunately, including Jerry Winks, slumped in the cockpit. Oh, boy. And he would die after being rescued by a helicopter the next day. Oh, really? Because hypothermia is a bitch. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. So Butler in the lighthouse would use his radio to monitor the stricken vessels he could see and to help coordinate the rescue efforts. Oh, nice. And his efforts saved a lot of lives. Cool. So, the wiki man. Yeah. Doing his part. Very helpful. Yeah. And he would later go on to have a successful acting career. Yes, that too. Different. Looking. Different Gerald Butler. Amazingly yeah. young and fresh. <laughs> <laughs> a huge flotilla of ships would rescue 125 yachtsmen who had lost their ships in the Force 11 conditions between Land's End and Fastnet. Huh. In all, five Coast Guard ships, nine Royal Navy ships, 15 Royal Navy helicopters, one United States ship, one Dutch ship, one Irish ship, six lifeboats, four Nimrod aircraft, and a boat from the Royal Ocean Racing Club helped in the rescue efforts. Wow. So it was kind of a big deal. Kind of a Dunkirk situation there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the Irish Continental Line Ferry St. Killian, which was carrying around 600 passengers and 200 cars at the time, also helped. Hmm. And all in all, over 4,000 people helped in the rescue efforts. It's always nice when you hear about the big chip in like that. Just kind of oh yeah, gives you a warm fuzzy. Exactly. And this was actually the largest ever sea rescue operation in peacetime. Oh, you really? mentioned Dunkirk. That was probably bigger. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, during peacetime. Sure, sure, sure. No, it, it's it's true. And it also makes sense that you needed this many people because essentially you had this race of 300 boats and then, you know, nature comes in and is just like, yeah, now you're mixed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just kind of blends I'm going to do, I'm going to make a minimal effort. Your your race yeah. is cute and everything, but blah, 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 blah. No, it's chaos. <laughs> you're welcome. It's like a toddler, like splashing in the pool. <laughs> exactly. And then like, 
Just all the water Stupid toys go everywhere. That. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like it. Don't want it. The RTE News would broadcast the following on August 14th. Quote, while some yachts are continuing in the race, right? <laughs> while some yachts are continuing in the race, many crews are taking refuge in Irish ports. Mm. One of the Irish hopes in the race, the Regardless, which is a ship, sought shelter in Baltimore. <laughs> regardless. <right? laughs> Someone just ran out of gas naming the boat. Uh, regardless. I don't know. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no effort. Silver Apple of the Moon is drifting off the coast of Cork without a rudder. And That's will be rescued as soon as weather, yeah, as soon as weather conditions allow. Uh-huh. The Dunmore East lifeboat is returning home with three race yachts in tow. Wow. So of the 303 ships that started the race, only 86 finished. Ah, which is a ridiculous considerably number. Considerably less, <laughs> less than half. Twenty-five boats sunk, uh, were disabled or abandoned. Wow, and seventy-five had been turned upside down. Whoa! Just again, if you picture, you know, these aren't giant ships, but they're not tiny. No, they're so not just pond, you know, you know, kayaks. They're flip freaking yachts, capsized, yeah, just turned over. Jeez, the force it would take. Mother Nature, the toddler, just like knocking everything over. Yeah, uh, I just can't get over the fact that it was at night. So you're basically not seeing the giant wave yeah. until no. well it's on top of you nightmare oh my god i don't know which one's no it's definitely it would be better during the day obviously because it's less of a nightmare but there's nothing you can do at night no there's you know or in the day you're as helpless but at least you can see your doom <laughs> yeah rather than guess which which is better what's worse i, I don't know uh, hard yeah. to say yeah. yeah. You know what? Uh, hit us up on our social media or on our Discord that you can join on our website. <laughs> what do you think? And tell, <laughs> tell us if you'd rather see the wave that's about to kill you. Yeah. But, although having said that, in all, only about 15 sailors died mm, in the race. Not bad. Which is good. Yeah. Four people on the Bucks Fizz, which was a yacht shadowing the fleet to view the race, were also killed. Oh, shit. So most of the deaths took place about 100 miles to the east of Fastnet Rock. Okay. Again, the Fastnet Rock was the midpoint, so right. 100 miles short of that. Yeah, I'm uh, getting there. Despite the deaths and the wrecks, the race was not abandoned or canceled. Well, wow. Like I said, it continued on then, and it actually continued into the future. So, and that actually sounds familiar. We talked about that in episode 19 and a half about the Le Mans, Le Mans. where that was an actual race where there was... <laughs> A decapitation. It's pretty catastrophic. <laughs> and they still uh, like the show must go on. Yeah. Uh, the race was won by the Tenacious, skippered by Ted Turner. <laughs> yes, that Ted Turner, the creator of CNN. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Uh, upon docking, one crew member ran to the race officer to hear news of the competition. And he returned and said, quote, my God, there's a crowd of people up there and they're all crying. And they ask if you have heard anything about their husbands, their boyfriends. It's like a tragedy here, not a race. Read the room, dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, aftermath. Several inquiries were conducted to determine what had happened. A report was published by the Royal Yacht Club and the Royal Ocean Racing Club, which gave several recommendations moving forward. Uh, the first, the report highlighted the weakness of the steering gear aboard many of the boats and the importance of steering systems. Okay. We've talked about that before, again, in the Tinmouth Electron episodes. Mm. Uh, there he was using a trimaran and there's, you know, steering mechanisms that are particularly prone to falling apart. So maybe beef those up. Yeah. They'd also talked about the importance of companion ways that could be opened and secured. And so again, the companion way that is the hatch that goes below deck. Okay. So oftentimes a yacht will just have an open, you know, an open doorway into the, into below deck. Yeah. But, uh, it would be a good idea to be able to seal that. So I think they made that mandatory. Water pouring, pouring, pouring in. Yep. Uh, also due to the number of boats that capsized, they implemented recommendations for the proper storage of items 
down below in case you get tipped over 180 degrees. Uh, you want everything to sort of crashing spin. on your you head. Don't, mm-hmm. You don't want your knives all coming like blade uh, down, you know, tipped down. <laughs> your knives. I don't know how many knives you have. Your safe, your piano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any Bugs Bunny, really, you know, item. That yeah. Can... Sure. Uh, and they also made recommendations for the pumping of water uh, in the cabin overboard. Mm. And we talked about that again on the electron, Tin Myth Electron episode. There's typically, so even no matter how watertight a ship is, typically water always gets in. So you need pumps to right. pump out the compartments. You got to bail. So the report also stressed the importance of having improvements in radio communication and weather forecasting. Duh. Yeah, that would be my first. <laughs> bring a radio. Make it, Bring a radio. <laughs> Make it mandatory. It also recommended that race organizers should be more willing to postpone the start of any large event when severe weather is forecast. Although, you know, to be fair, it sounds like the weather in this region is typically questionable. Yeah, uh, and can change on a dime. Exactly. A feature of this race, like part of the difficulty is the weather. Right. So it's kind of tricky, but... It's part of the fun. It is part of the fun, but I imagine <laughs> as we've gone into modern times, it's easier to see this kind of thing coming. Yes. So, now we've yeah. got it more licked. Yeah. So the Cruising Club of America also looked at the tragedy in 1985 and released its report that had the following conclusions. Mm. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Well, These are always... let's see if we need a report for this. <laughs> yeah. So large boats are less prone to capsize than smaller boats. Mm, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that. A dismasted sailboat is more likely to capsize than a boat carrying her full rig. So essentially a boat where the mast has snapped off mm. is more likely to capsize. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. A boat has an inherent stability range that can be calculated based on the boat's line. Okay, fair enough. That <laughs> just means that you can calculate what the center of gravity of a boat is. And boats lying sideways on the sea, especially light vessels, are more likely to capsize than boats that are held bow to sea or stern to sea. So I think that means like if you've ever been in a canoe or a kayak, yeah. you're more likely to capsize if the wave, waves are hitting the side of your ship than if you're yes, cutting you into are. them. Yes, you are. So so I think that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a Fastnet race memorial that sits at Holy Trinity Church at uh, Cowes, which is where the race starts. Okay. But the race continues to this day. There have been 19 races since 1979, and there's one scheduled for 2021, even though the final date isn't yet set. Oh, tentative. So that is the Fastnet race tragedy of 1979, and that's why I'm never setting foot on a yacht. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not in a race, to be sure. No. Uh, that was nuts. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. I enjoyed well, all the history, welcome. and I enjoyed the, the you know, the fucking seven story waves that I'll be dreaming about tonight. I thought it was about a, it was about time we did another sea based one. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. The Good. Tinmouth Electron was a big one though. So check, the, check that's those out. That's the big boat one. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> this is a good, we'll call it a companion uh, piece almost. Mm-hmm. Another, another, another reason that the ocean is trying to kill you <laughs> and you should stay away from it. Exactly. <laughs> Does not care if you live or die. Uh, so for music for this one, yep. I was kind of stuck on the fact that this took place near Ireland ah. and I've been listening to, I've been going a lot through my like old listening catalog. Okay. I'm talking like nineties listening. Okay. Um, so for me, uh, the band is the Cranberries. Uh-huh. Ireland. Ireland. From the album, uh, everybody knows this song, but from the album, everybody else is doing it, so why can't we from 1993? Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite Cranberries song, Dreams. Okay. I don't know if you're a Cranberries fan. Lee. I'm not. I feel um, like that's a 50-50. I feel like either you are or you hate them. I'm not. I remember the time <laughs> okay. that we first saw the video for Zombie and I was sort of talking trash and I got shushed during it and I'll never forget that and I already didn't like really? it and that just soured me. <laughs> Wow. I <laughs> like w- you and me were watching? No, no. This is oh, when okay, it okay, was okay. new. 
Oh. Like, when okay. I said we, I'm sorry. I meant like yeah, myself no, no, no. and my the people, my high school band and whoever was there. Yeah, fair enough. And I was just like, check this. Like, I'm making snotty comments, and then shh. Oh, okay. Like, Are you kidding? So, well, cranberries. I wouldn't shush you. But, I wouldn't shush you because I, I understand that they're maybe not for everyone. But I've always <laughs> liked I've always liked cranberries and dreams is a great song. I probably I know I probably know that song and I. Zombie is the only song of theirs. I'm like, ah, I know. The, the wrapped around your finger is a pretty good song, yeah, and yeah. Um, or whatever it's called. And the one you're talking about, I'll jog my memory. I'll listen to it later, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's probably pretty good. The history for me with Dreams too is that I think I told you this story before. I went to Europe with my parents when I was like 13, okay, and I didn't know that CD wallets existed. <laughs> and I had just gotten a Discman, so <laughs> you had a finite. <laughs> the case that I got for the Discman had room for like CDs that you could take with it under the bottom, but there was right. room for like four, I think four CDs. You choose wisely. And the CDs that I took with me were Pulp Fiction soundtrack, right? The Hacker soundtrack, Mission Impossible soundtrack, <laughs> and oh, there's another one. No, I don't. I can't remember the fourth one now. Dance mix. But anyway, I know three. those. Oh no, the 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 songs in the key of X. That album of music inspired by the X Files. Right. Which is where I discovered Foo Fighters because they did a cover of. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, but this is what I'm saying. This is where all of my musical taste came from. Yes, yes. Soundtracks. I well, discovered industrial music on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack because that's where I found yeah. KMFDM, and that led me to Nine Inch Nails. And <laughs> it's just like a fun mixtape. I mean, just getting yeah. those basically. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, Dreams is on the Mission Impossible soundtrack, the very first movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And that's uh, that's what. But that man, that soundtrack too it had like Bjork and Pulp and. Mission Good Impossible. soundtrack. Yeah, I think it was pretty all right. Yeah, yeah very electronica. Yeah. That too. That's when it yeah. came out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, so that's that's the song that I picked in nice. large part because it takes place in Ireland and I like the cranberries. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> How about you, Lee? Well, uh, I also went with an, an Irish band, um, but it's actually all, the song is actually very boat themed. So the band is called Stump. They're from Cork, Ireland. Okay. They're around um, from the mid to late 80s uh, mm-hmm. kind of a sort of blip band didn't really do anything but they are amazing they sound like no other band they're mm-hmm. well, I won't try to describe them just there's a really weird band um, no. and the song I chose is from their one and only full-length album called a fierce pancake I think it came out in 89 and the song is called okay. chaos okay and um, I guess maybe it's about even pirates or something but it's it sounds like a ship that is in inclement weather like that's how it's and the lyrics are very much like they go mutiny mutiny and they sort of a lot of nautical terms and yeah yeah yeah, it's it's very on theme to uh you know awesome what we've been talking about today so there you go fascinating race well and you heard a bunch of both of those just now i imagine there you go so thanks for joining us like i said that was the last episode of this batch of episodes uh sorry for it coming late but you know i feel like i had a reasonable excuse babies babies it'll do you know they'll get you that's how they get get you they're born and then they just stick around (laughs) exactly and they just take and take no okay (laughs) it's like i always say kids you can't live with them so anyway, the next <laughs> season is stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, obviously you love both my you children. You love our children. <laughs> I needed to say that for posterity when exactly. they might listen to this podcast. Yeah. For the record, we love our uh, children. So that was the end of this batch of episodes. We'll be back uh, in the fall. I think and we're going to come back in time for our October, our, year, or like our spooky October that oh, we normally do. Oh, yeah. 
So I think that means that we're going to be coming back on October 6th. Oh. Because that's the first first Wednesday in October for a major disaster. There you go. And I'm hopeful that we'll have at least some form of the video content ready to at least tease by then, too. That would be nice. That's the goal. Because we're all set up. Like I say, I walk in, I walk into the studio every now and then and blow the dust off everything. <laughs> it's ready to go. I just need to... Shoo the bears away and all the raccoons. <laughs> Just waiting for that pandemic to get out of here so we can get together and actually do stuff. Stupid thing. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so we'll be back October 6th. Probably hear from us before then. Thanks for listening to this group of episodes. We're looking forward to coming back already. Mm -hmm. Have a ton of ideas. I know Nuclear Norm is already working on his next episode. All so right. It'll be some more devastation. Uh, I've got, <laughs> I've got some more on the way. I got a few in the hopper. Yep. And I haven't forgot, we're probably going to do a watch party between now and I was just well. going to say that. Yeah. Hopefully a watch party. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we haven't uh, haven't nailed that down yet, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be Armageddon, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be before the end of the summer. So <laughs> keep, join our Discord, uh, and that's probably where 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 we'll announce that. Exactly. And keep an ear out for that. And we might have shit to say while that movie's playing in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so much to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So cool. So thanks for listening. Uh, like I said, the best thing to do to help us out if you like what you hear is to tell a friend to listen. Tell them before they get on that yacht to go sailing because you never know mm. he's trying to kill you. It'll right. get you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next best thing you can do is to subscribe and leave a rating or review wherever you listen. Those are super helpful. Keep up with us on social media at This Disaster Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can check out our website, thisdisasterpod.com. Tons of uh, links there, previous episodes. You can join our Discord there where, we, uh, where we'll keep things going during the hiatus. And you can check out our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod where you can become a patron, bonus disaster, uh, bonus micro disasters every two weeks and other bonus content. We're going to do live streams again back when we're back in the studio. So keep an eye out for those. And I think that's pretty much it for today. Right so on. we'll see you soon. Lee, you got anything to... Uh, uh, everything Peter just said is bullshit. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> my... <laughs> I got nothing. Have you seen My Cousin Vinny? That's what that was a reference to. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever he just said. <laughs> Everything bullshit. except for thank you will be stricken from the record. <laughs> uh, so you know, good. just thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, see you in October. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Okay. We'll take it easy. Bye. Bye. Bye.